welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. We are continuing today in our series, Healer of Hearts, as we look at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we will be looking at how Christ heals our indecisiveness. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. Continuing our third message in our series, Healer of Hearts, we've talked about how God heals our brokenness, we've talked about how He heals our hopelessness, and today we're talking about He heals our indecisiveness. Many of you know that uh, a number of years ago I was a bread salesman, and this particular morning I, I pulled out usually a little after five in the morning, and I'm doing good, things are going well, going down the road and it's probably about 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.30, and my truck breaks down. It starts making a knock in the engine, I don't know what's going on, I pull off to the side of the road and I'm stuck. And I was thinking, you know, if I'd have been more spiritual, as many hours as I sat there and had to wait, I could have memorized half the New Testament, but I didn't do that. I probably could have sung oodles of verses to kumbaya you know I was thinking I could have sang you know what what really happened was uh, I found out after the mechanic came was I had a bent piston rod and when you have a bent piston rod in a vehicle I'm not a mechanic you don't go anywhere (laughs) and so but I was thinking I could have sang uh, I have a bent piston rod Lord kumbaya (laughs) Ben <laughs> Piston Rod, Kumbaya. And I thought, well, I'm going to have some really angry managers because I'm going to be late that day. And God, I'm going to run into some angry managers, Lord, Kumbaya. <laughs> this would be a good time for the rapture, Lord, Kumbaya. <laughs> it really would have been. That was the kind of day I felt like it was. But here's the point a broken piston rod caused me to be stuck. I was done. I couldn't move. I needed help to get unstuck. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt stuck in your life? You have the desire to make a change in your life. You know what needs to be done, but you're stuck. You're stuck in a relationship. You're stuck with a habit you cannot break. You're stuck in anger. You're stuck with blaming everybody else, and you don't take an honest, hard look at your own life. Maybe you're a teenager here today and you're stuck coming to church because mom and dad bring you and you don't really want to be here and you feel stuck. Maybe you're stuck in a family situation that keeps the dysfunction going. Maybe you're stuck in indecisiveness. You're not making a decision to make a change in your life and you just stay stuck in your stuckness, if I could say it that way. And once you're stuck, you can begin to feel guilty that you're not making changes. And then that guilt, if you allow it to build up, becomes anger. And you become angry at yourself because you can't make a change. And if you hold on to that anger long enough, that anger then becomes fear. And you become fearful about everything in your life. And everything becomes fearful. And then that fear, if you hang on to that, it becomes depression. And you're depressed. I can't make any change. There's no hope. I'm stuck. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. 
I can't change. And the cycle starts all over again and you get further stuck. So here's the question. How do we break out of our stuckness? How do we break out of it? I think it's a good question. Well, we've been talking for a couple weeks. We talked about the first step is the reality step. We have to admit that we need help. That's the very first step. And that can be the hardest step because maybe, oh, I'm okay. Everything's fine. No, I don't need any help. No, you need help. We all need help. Secondly is the hope step, that we are powerless in ourselves to change, but there's hope because God has all power to help us make changes in our life. So there's the hope step. God will help us, but that's not enough. Here is the third step, and here's the step we all need to continue to take. Step three is the commitment step. It means I consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's control. Just because I did it 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 or however many years ago, that's one thing. But have you recently committed your life to Christ? Everything? Blank check? God, here I am? I had to evaluate my own life and say, God, have I done that recently? Have I really committed consciously myself to your control? and what you want to do in my life? That's, a, that's quite a question. And really, it should be based on what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, I will lighten your load. You will find relief and release and recovery in me. That's what he's saying. It's an invitation. But what a deal it is. All we have to do, according to this, is not do anything but come to Christ. Come to him as I am, broken, hopeless, helpless, and say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. The stress can steal our rest. I want to give you control. I want to exchange my weariness for your restfulness. What a deal. Many of us, it's like an unopened gift, though. We've never opened it. We've never come to Christ and really given him our lives. And we need to do that. So here's another question. What keeps us from doing that? What keeps us from coming to Christ and just opening ourselves up and giving him conscious control of our lives? I think there are five hurdles that every one of us deal with. I've probably dealt with every one of them in my life. And my guess is you have too. At one point or another, you've probably dealt with all five of these hurdles. And you're probably dealing with some right now. So let's look at them. Number one is pride. Pride will keep us from committing our lives to Christ. I can do it myself. I'm in control. It will keep me from admitting I need help. Here's what it says in Proverbs 18, 12. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. We have to downsize our ego. Somebody once said that ego is E-G-O, edging God out. I think there's a lot of truth to that. We edge God out. Instead of downsizing our ego, we supersize it. Instead of allowing God to bring us to a place of humility, how many people will stop, not stop and ask for directions? I'm not going to do that. Got the GPS. I'll figure it out. Proverbs 10.8 says, The wise in heart accept commands, 
but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Be teachable rather than just talk your way out of trouble all the time. Be teachable. Maybe you're not ready to give Christ control and care of your life. You're saying, I'm not ready to do that. Here's all you need. You need a greater dose of pain in your life. If you are not willing to submit your life to the care and control of Christ, all he says is you need more pain. And he will put more pain in your life till you surrender. And there are so many people who are running around in so much hurt and pain because they will not surrender their life. And God says, I'll just give you more pain till you're ready to give control of your life to me. Number two is guilt. Guilt will keep us from coming to Christ. You know what? I have promised God I was going to change a thousand times and I have failed him a thousand times. And I feel so guilty. I feel so ashamed. I'm not willing to come to him again and embarrass myself and say, God, I'm going to change. And I haven't changed. And I allow guilt to control me and say, you know what? I'm not worthy of his forgiveness. There is no sin so great that God can't forgive. That's the beautiful part. David, the psalmist, says this in Psalm 32.3, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. David was so filled with guilt, his energy was sapped. He was carrying around a wagon load of guilt. And when he dumped it at the feet of God, the guilt was gone. There was a freedom that he had. Don't let pride and guilt keep you from coming to Christ and bringing him your life and what you need. God is going to help you. Thirdly is fear. Fear. I'm afraid of what I will have to give up. Because you will probably have to give something up. And pride may be one of those things you have to give up. What are you afraid? Let me ask you another question. What are you afraid will happen if you give God care and control of your life? Well, he's going to make me go to Africa and be with strange people and eat weird food. No. That's what we tend to think, that God is going to cause us to do something that makes our life miserable. And that is not true. He wants to bring absolute fulfillment. He came that we might have life and have it how? You know, more abundantly. That we would have life more abundantly. That is God's desire in our life. You say, well, I don't want anybody controlling me. Who are you kidding? You are being controlled all the time. Sometimes you're controlled by other people's opinions of you. Sometimes you're controlled by sin. Jesus said those who are sin are slaves to sin. But if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I'm not a big Bob Dylan fan, and I don't get my theology from him, but he did make a great line in one of his songs. He says, you've got to serve somebody. And it's really true. We do have to serve somebody. We're being controlled. Some people are being controlled by hurts they've never healed from. They have hurt, and they can go back and, and, and they'll relive that hurt over and over and over and they've never found healing for that hurt. Maybe there's a relationship, an ambition, a habit, a lifestyle, a possession. 
Here's what the Bible says. How does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Is there anything more valuable than your soul? The answer is no. When we take this third step of commitment, we will see real change in our life. Now, here's one of the things you need to do, though, when you make a commitment to surrender your life to Christ. You need to tell somebody else about it. Because oftentimes what people do is, oh, I'm going to make that change. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. No, you need to tell someone you're making that change in your life. Make yourself accountable. Get a group of people around you who will pray for you and support you and make you accountable. It's crucial that we do that. You cannot be an island to yourself. You will stay stuck in your addiction. You'll stay stuck in your sin. You'll stay stuck in that habit unless you're willing to come out of it. Just come to God. Say, God, I don't even know what I want to give up, but I know I want my life to be under your control, and here's a blank check that I give to you. Let him take care of the rest. Number four is worry. Worry. Worry keeps us from surrendering our life to the care and control of Christ. Here's where we often confuse the decision-making process and the problem-solving process. They're separate. The decision-making process is what we're asking today. Make a commitment to Christ. We're not asking you to make all the changes today. We're asking you to make a change now. To make a decision now, and the changes will come. It's a process. Let me give you an example. Back in 1963, JFK told us we're going to the moon. We're going to go to the moon. That was a decision that was made, but was all the problems solved for that? Was a solution given? No. He told NASA, now you've got to figure it out. <laughs> you've got to figure out a solution to the problem. And so the process came after the decision. Don't worry about all the changes you have to make. Just say, God, I know I need to change, and I'm going to commit my life to you, and I'm going to ask you to help me make the changes, the process. Don't let worry do that to you. The Christian life is a process, and it is the same with recovery. It's a decision followed by a process. Don't let indecisiveness keep you from making a decision. In World War II, the Marines had a definite strategy in the Pacific when they went to retake the Pacific from the Japanese. And they were very successful. In fact, every island they took over, they used the same strategy and it worked every time. Let me share it with you. First, the Marines would go to the island that had been taken captive and they would start bombing it. They would just bomb it and pelt it with bombs and grenades and explosives and they would take the island. The bombing period was called the softening up period. Some of you are in the softening period right now. You've got all kinds of explosions going off in your life. There's, there's, there's shrapnel going everywhere. And you're in the softening up period. Maybe God is trying to soften up your pride, your hard heart. And you're in that softening period. The explosions are happening right now. You're saying, this isn't working. Yes, I need something beyond myself. I need help. I need God in my life. There's too much stress. That was the first phase, the softening up period. The second phase, the Marines would come in and establish a beachhead. A beachhead. Maybe only 20 yards wide, 
to 200 yards, or I mean 20 yards deep and 200 yards wide. And they would just get a presence on the island. When they established a beachhead, had they liberated the island? No, they hadn't. They had just gotten in. From there, they began to fight the battles. Sometimes they'd move 100 yards forward, and sometimes they would move backwards. Sometimes they would win, sometimes they would lose the battle. But here's what everybody knew. When they established a beachhead on the island, it was inevitable they would win the island. And they did. If you look at the history of World War II, once the Marines had landed and established a beachhead, they never lost an island. So, when you make the step of commitment, here's what's happening. You're setting up a beachhead for God to work in your life. It's called conversion. It's called being born again. Giving your life to Christ. And when you have that beachhead, you can begin to make changes and God can bring victory in your life that you've never had for years or maybe ever. God can bring victory in your life. Maybe you worry that in this battle you can't hold on or hold out. Don't worry, it's not your job to do the holding. It's God's. Notice the verse. He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. When you commit those things to God, he is going to hold on to them. When our kids were little, we used to come out of church and they'd want to run across a parking lot. And there's, you know, 3,000 pounds cars just flying everywhere. And man, I would grip their hand and I would not let go. And I didn't want to run, you know. And, but you know what? I never let them go. Why? I love my kids. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to provide for them. God is going to do the same thing for us. He's going to hold on to us. He's not going to let us go. He's going to provide for us, care for us. He loves us deeply. He's not going to let us run out in front of a vehicle. He's going to care for us. And we need to understand that. First, our Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He began the work when you make the decision. He is going to continue the work. Will you do it? Will you give God that opportunity to do it? Five, number five. The fifth hurdle we need to overcome is the hurdle of doubt. You know, I want to believe, but my faith is just so small. You need to know about a story about a guy in the Bible named Jairus. Jairus came to Jesus one day. He says, I know you can heal people and my daughter needs to be healed. Jesus said, if you have faith, she will be healed. He says, you know what, Lord? I've got a lot of doubts. There's honesty for you. I've got a lot of doubts. I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you told God, God, I believe you, but I have doubts. I have, I have some doubts. I'm wrestling with some unbelief. Have you ever done that with God? You really doubt? I have. But here's what Jesus said. When he said, help me with your unbelief, Jesus said, you know what? That's good enough. <laughs> he healed the girl. He helped him with his unbelief. You see, it's not the size of our faith. He says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, 
Nothing will be impossible for you. It's not the size of your faith that matters. It's the size of the God that you put your faith in. Putting your faith in this big God. That's what we need to do. So don't let any one of these hurdles keep you from making the conscious decision to commit yourself to Christ. Let me talk to you just for a moment about a guy named Zane. Now this is nobody around here. Zane was raised in a Christian home. He went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. He learned all the rules of being a Christian. But he never gave in to the idea of totally turning his life over to God. His mom was an authoritarian, very strict, and the only attention he could get and, he, and that he craved was to mess up a task or a chore to get in trouble. And yet as an adult, he still struggled from time to time with acceptance and approval. In his dating relationships, he tried to mold the person he was dating into the ideal person who would meet all of his uh, needs and fulfill his dreams of a perfect life. But it didn't work that way. This attempt at healing his pain always proved unproductive. After a three-year downward spiral in a relationship that was coming to an end, he realized he was broken and at the end of his rope. Then and not until then, the Lord had him right where he wanted him, where he knew he needed God. For the first time in his life, he opened his heart to God. He did an evaluation of his life, and he became aware of some very destructive patterns in his life that were sabotaging his entire life. His own testimony is, he says, you know, I would have never known how far I would be away and lost in my life had it not been for Christ. He said the Lord every day grants him another day and he turns his life over to the Lord every day, spiritually, mentally, and physically, asking for God's will to be done in his life. So, we say we need to take the step of commitment. We talked about five hurdles that we need to overcome to make this commitment. How do we actually make the commitment? Here's what we finish with. How do I take this step? What does it mean to take this step? Four things. One, I accept God's Son as my Savior. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't mean know about Him. I mean, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Not mom and dads, not grandma and grandpas, not somebody else's. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you have consciously, there was a time in your life where you consciously committed your life to Jesus Christ, that you knew you needed to be saved, you needed Christ in your life. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Here's what it means. It means committing as much of myself as I understand at this moment to as much of Christ as I understand at this moment. Are you willing to do that? Secondly, I accept God's word as my standard for living. God's word is the instruction manual that tells me what to do and where to go. How to live my life. I don't just figure it out on my own. God tells us how to live. How to live a victorious life. All scripture is inspired by God. Useful for teaching us 
correcting us, instructing us in righteousness. The scripture tells us that. It's our standard. Thirdly, I accept God's will as my strategy, as my goal in life. Are you willing to surrender to God's will? You say, well, I don't even know what it is. It's right here in his word. And I open my life to him and I say, God, I, I, don't, I don't have my life all figured out from here to the, till I die. It's a process that I learn as I live. Fourthly, I accept God's power as my strength. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't rely on my own energy. I get plugged into God. He will give me the power to make changes in my life. I open the door of my heart to him. The key that unlocks the door is willingness. Are you willing to open your heart to him? Pilots, when they fly planes, they always fly one of two ways. They fly IFR or VFR. And I know if I get this wrong, I got some pilots here who will correct me. But this is my understanding. They fly either IFR or VFR. IFR stands for Instrument Flight Rules. VFR stands for Visual Flight Rules. So basically, when you fly, you're either allowing, you're, you're, you're submitting to the controls in the control tower, or you're flying by sight, by what you can see. All the professional flyers, all the airlines, all the pros fly IFR, instrument flight rules. Many amateurs fly VFR, visual flight rules. But here's the problem. When you get into a storm, and you can't see, and there's clouds, and you don't know where you're going, and you get lost in the clouds. There's only one thing you can do. You gotta get on the microphone and switch from VFR to IFR. You have to submit to the control tower, the one who can see where you're at and know what you're doing. If you don't, that's why many small planes crash, because they're not relying on the instrument panel. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you flying your life IFR or VFR? Are you trusting in what you can see? Or are you saying, God, I'm submitting to you in the control tower. I'm getting on the microphone and saying, God, I need some help here. I'm lost in the clouds. And you know what? I'm, I'm wrestling with one of these hurdles that I can't seem to get over. My pride is so great. God, I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. I don't want anybody to know that I've got a problem. I want everybody to think I've got it all together. But the truth of the matter is, my life is not going well. The truth of the matter is, I've got an addiction I've got a habit, I've got a hang-up, I've got a hurt that I have not let go of. And I've got an addiction that keeps defeating me again and again and again. I've confessed it to the Lord, but I haven't gotten victory. I don't know which one of these you can identify with. Maybe the guilt that you've been carrying around a wagon load of guilt, and you're exhausted. Maybe you're living in fear 
Oh, I don't know what's going to, you know, and, and you're just gripped by fear, and that's the way you live. Or worry. Or your faith is so small, you're just like, God, is this really real? Is this true? If it is, why am I, my life such a mess? Would you be willing to consciously commit yourself to Christ? Say, God, I realize I'm broken. I'm broken by sin. I realize that I'm hopeless apart from Christ. I realize I need to commit myself to you. Would you do that today? And then would you tell somebody before you leave? Tell somebody. Tell myself. Let us know how we can help you in your faith. We're all broken people and we need the Lord. If there's a special need in your life, I'll be willing to pray with you after service or someone else to pray with you. Please seek them out before you leave today. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda. M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.